Can we name a baby Prudencia? That would work. That could work. That could work. That doesn't work in English. You have to call her Prudy. <laughs> Roll it. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. I got the tagline right there. You didn't time. mess it up didn't this mess time. It up. And we're, we're <laughs> glad to be back with you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, as we talked about last time, we're starting into a new series of episodes where we're going to dig into the virtues. You know, we've been referring to them in, in different ways throughout uh, the life of this show. Um, we talked a little bit about them in the beginning, but um, we really believe that the virtues, the cardinal virtues, the classical doctrine of virtues in in Christianity and Western civilization are a powerful tool, a powerful lens for elevating the ordinary life, for seeing what God's uh, sending to us, all the opportunities that maybe we miss, the opportunities for, for growth and holiness and, and adventure in our lives. And so... Today we're going to talk about prudence, but before we get to that, uh, as always, please go to awakencatholic.org to learn more about uh, Awaken Catholic, our ministry, and to become a partner with us. Go to awakencatholic.org slash donate, become part of the Awaken Nation, help us in our mission of sharing truth through beauty. We really appreciate it. And of course, the best way to follow this show, I mean, be certain to you know like and subscribe and all that, but the best way to follow it, if you're really, if you're really serious business about this, is to go to theawakenapp.io and download the Awaken Catholic app. It's the best way to follow this show and other content from Awaken Catholic events, uh, performances, uh, you know, uh, talks, and other resources from Awaken Catholic to interact with the hosts and other members. But also, if you're a member of the Awaken Nation uh, through your financial support, there's some extra special bonus content for you there as well. So check that out. Uh, I think that's is it. Maybe. Well, no, this is really important. Yes. Um, so if you can find a way to help me think of a nickname for the name Prudencia. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since I read The Awakening of Miss Prim. Oh, yeah. It's a good book. I have wanted to name a child. And you're into prudence. Like prudence is this is this man is like the prudence man. Uh, he It's like his favorite virtue. And then he's like the virtue guy. So it's like the. Top of the and I would love to name a child Prudencia, but it's like, what but is yeah, that? But if, that, if we name a new kid, Dency. But if we start naming the kids after virtues, what are all the previous kids going to think about? Vir- know, they're being, virtuous. Being left out. Of I that? mean, we've we're going to start running out of early church female <laughs> martyrs here. Okay, somehow we have felt called to name all of our girls. Yeah, we have a Cecilia, we have a Lucy, we have a Philomena, and we didn't intend that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All, all we have our kids Christian shouting female. during mass, Martyrs. during certain, uh, certain. We didn't intend that either. Yeah, all, the, all the ones that they read there in the litany. <laughs> That's my name. Yeah. Really loud. So everyone can hear during the Eucharistic prayers. Prudencia would be a beautiful name though. Yeah. So please help us think of a nickname. Or, or comment. Or worry about the nickname. Message Sometimes us. worry too much about the nickname. Well, I can't say Prudencia all the time. You, you can. Prudencia. Yeah. Anyway. We'll see. God will call us That's when right. we have a baby. It always God happens. Will, like it always happens. We, we make these lists of names and then we get pregnant. I get pregnant. <laughs> one, plus, and, one plus union here, baby. Right. Yeah. So, and then God calls a name and twice out of the names, I have not liked them. And yeah, I have felt called. Rejected. Yeah. I have felt called to those names. Yeah. And I have not liked them. I won't tell yeah. you which child's names I don't like, but I'm just like, starting to feel yeah. okay with some of our kids' names. But it was it was very clear that God was calling right. these particular names. So, yes. Yeah. Well, well, we'll sit on that one for a while, Prudencia. 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 Yeah. Maybe a middle name. Have you ever dreamed of visiting Paris in the fall? Seeing the beautiful Eiffel Tower lit up by a sunset? Visiting and venerating holy locations of the Sister Saints of France in Lisieux, Paris, Lourdes, and more. This fall 2021, join Select International Tours with Claire Swinarski from The Catholic Feminist, author and speaker Catherine Whitaker, 
and our amazing hosts Morgan Holliger and Megan Burwell from Awakens Show, Naked Without Shame, on a once-in-a-lifetime Sun River Cruise pilgrimage. Join our friends at Select International Tours and Cruises. With over 34 years of experience, they are the perfect company to help you experience pilgrimage. To learn more, visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Bon voyage! But today, we're talking about prudencia. We're talking about the classical uh, cardinal virtue of prudence. And we're talking about this first in the list of the cardinal virtues for a purpose. You know, as we mentioned last time, um, part of what the virtues give us is a map, a map of holiness, a map of of what we're called to, the qualities we're called to. But it's 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 an organized map. There was a reason why classically for Aquinas, for the Greeks, um, that prudence came first in the list of the cardinal virtues. Prudence, then justice and fortitude and temperance. Prudence comes first. Prudence, Aquinas called it the mother and mold yeah, I'll, of all virtues. This is Joseph Pieper, um, you know, paraphrasing in many ways a lot of what comes from Thomas Aquinas, but he writes, thus prudence is the cause, root, mother, measure, precept, guide, and prototype of all ethical virtues. It acts in all of them, perfecting them to their true nature. All participate in it, and by virtue of this participation, they are virtues. Now, I want to crack that open a little bit first, because what's interesting, especially if you, like me, came at the virtues from a place of not understanding them, not knowing them, if I were to ask you, a person on the street, like which of the four cardinal virtues, if you if you were aware of the four cardinal virtues, which one is sort of the cardinal of the cardinal virtues? Which well, I, one is the mother and mold of all cardinal virtues? I what, wouldn't have known what the four cardinal virtues well, so are, first of all, because right. I had yeah. 14 years of Catholic sure, schooling. Sure. So why would I ever know what the four cardinal virtues are? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But I would have said humility. Uh, yeah, if see, you had asked me like the the most important. Which is good and it's not wrong. Well, it's not. Uh, no virtue is unimportant. But. Yes. But there is, I wouldn't have uh, there picked is prudence. prudence being being first, being cardinal. But again, even again, oh, if God. I even if you did know, because a lot of people do, a lot of people did pick that up in their Catholic education, that the four cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, fortitude. Sorry, I always make fun of my. But Catholic which school. one would you have thought that Aquinas would say is the mother and mold of all moral, moral virtue, the virtue bearer, um, the the okay. charioteer of the virtues? They're all all ways of describing the virtue of prudence, which we wouldn't have thought of. I mean, if you, if you were familiar with the virtues of all at all, uh, I know when I thought about prudence uh, before this study, before getting into the virtues, prudence was kind of like the boring virtue, mm-hmm. right? It just basically meant it's a virtue that makes you boring. Don't, don't, don't be <laughs> stupid, stupid. Like it just, it means don't do dumb things. Right. But yeah. And one thing that, that Peeper points out is that, um, in the ways that we we have come to understand the virtues or, or just kind of how we've experienced them, how we've heard them, we almost see prudence as sometimes in opposition to the other virtues. Mm-hmm. You know, that this person is courageous while this other person is prudent and hangs back and, and mm-hmm. is cautious. We tend to think of prudence just as being cautious, being careful, not going or, crazy. Yeah, or like, oh, there's a place for prudence, but sometimes you have to be courageous. Right, as if they're opposed <laughs> to one another, which, of course, Peeper and Aquinas say is nonsense it's bosh courage is not courage without first being prudence Mm -hmm. so too is justice and and temperance and so too are all the moral virtues all moral virtue all virtuous all moral acts have to have first been prudent so that's interesting so what are we talking about we're talking about the virtue of prudence what we're talking about is this movement of your spirit you you are a conscious uh, uh you are a rational being. That's what it means to be a human being. You're, you're the kind of being that has this rationality, this ability to understand, this ability to, to think and to analyze and to, and to choose. Okay? Um, the first movement there is to attend to the reality of things. The way I like to put prudence is it's, it's a turning to truth. Okay, so there's, there are two primary parts of prudence that we might think of. Uh, there's sort of the cognitive and the imperative. In other words, the thinking and the deciding. But recognize that any moral act you, you're going to make, any virtue that you're going to that you're going to practice, the first step is to attend to the truth of things, to say what is real, what situation am I really am am I really in? Now we don't always think through all these steps in the moment, but that. All, all virtue is in reference to truth and to reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is justice? 
what is an act of justice? What is just? Well, you have to have reference to what is what is true. Mm-hmm. Who is God? What is the universe we live in? Who am I? It can't things can't be good and moral and virtuous if they're not in reference to truth. To reality. Yeah. In our yeah. tagline, we talked about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. These three classical transcendental qualities of God. Well, truth precedes goodness because what is good is is in reference to what is actually true. What mm-hmm. is good for you, what what perfects your being, well, it, it, it's not going to perfect you if it's not true, if it's not real. So there's always this reference to truth. So put as practically as possible, prudence is the habit of soul by which we turn to truth and we stay in truth and, and we operate from a place of truth and reality. Can we continue using the word reality? Sure. Reality. Because I feel like truth is being... Is like, this is so sad, but the word truth is now like a, has a lot of baggage that we may not understand or even be aware of. Um, but I think like reality is, is something so, so yeah. Tr- yeah. So the uh, prudence is a right response to reality, yeah. but first you need to know what real, like first you need to assess your reality. Right. Well, and that is the first right response to reality, right? Is the first question of whether I want to be a person of reality at all. Mm-hmm. Because man, you know, sometimes it's easier to just be unreal, to go through life, just to react, to just be pushed and pulled through life, uh, to maybe to turn off reality mm-hmm. through substances yeah, like- or through media. I can just, I can just keep my head down and just focus on what makes me feel good. My reality is someday I will win the lottery. And so I'm just going to make, like, I'm not going to plan. I'm not going to save. I'm not going to think about how I'm going to get through the next paycheck. I'm just going to, someday I'll win the lottery. Or my reality <laughs> is that all the information I currently know, that constitutes toots truth. I already know all I need to know about everything and you're wrong and I just know it because I know it. You know. That's what happens when you teach kids science too early. Oh, now you're going to get controversial. I'm not joking. Educational yeah. theory here. My little, you want to you wanna squash right response to reality? Physical, material science. Teach your yeah. toddlers yeah. and preschoolers and kindergartners science yeah. <laughs> instead of nature play and though we we talked Sorry. recently about yep. about Jane Austen's book Pride yeah. and Prejudice. I mean think for a moment what you will what the word prejudice means. Pre prejudice, prejudgment. So to judge something before you encounter it, before you actually look at it. Well, pre- prejudice is 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 fundamentally opposed to this virtue of prudence. Prudence is where you you set aside your prejudgment and you try to attend to things as they are. Mm-hmm. In fact, you go to things really being open, being ready, expecting to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, you because you want you you are practicing being the kind of person who has a taste for reality. You want things as they are. You want to know things as they are, even if they show you that you're wrong. Even if you discover you have more to learn. Even if reality turns out to be challenging and difficult, and present you with maybe mm-hmm. the reality that you need to change some things about your life. To be a person of prudence is to practice turning again and again to that reality and operating from that place. That's right. You don't want to be a Mrs. Bennett or a Mr. Collins for your whole life. Yeah. You got to go back and watch the Pride and Prejudice episode. Or just read so the book So many good images times. of virtue and vice. So many good ones. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's no, but I yeah. mean, the reason why at the end of that book, yeah. you don't want to be Mrs. Bennett or you don't want to be Mr. Collins is that you never, you realize that they're just living in this fantasy yeah. pretend world where they're always making a not not even making excuses but just like making up reasons for why they're acting the way they are right and it's a really pitiful yeah. situation you pity them yeah. and you don't want to be that you want to be stomped down by reality like elizabeth bennett like mr darcy <laughs> so that you can then live in reality from the ashes yeah <sighs> Everything boils and, down to Jane Austen. You know, and again, as we <laughs> talked about last time, one of our M's, we were talking about why virtue is so important last time. We had a series of M's for that. Go check out that episode. One of the M's was momentum. Okay. Every decision we make is building our momentum of, of virtue or vice. Okay. So again, in those characters, mm-hmm. what we see is a person who's not just, they didn't just choose unreality once. They didn't mm-hmm. just choose a lie or a falsehood or a fiction or their own fancy or their own prejudice once. It's that that coalesce that crystallize into a habit over time where you have people who are sort of hopelessly lost in their habit mm-hmm. of unreality and it's hard for them to ever step outside themselves and see themselves for who they really are we don't want to become like that yeah you know we want to be people who again 
choose reality even and especially when it's difficult because that's where we can grow. We can we can do something with truth. We can do something with reality. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that this is more like I think sometimes when we say unreality, perhaps people think like, oh, a framework. I'm living in a framework. And a fr- I, like, okay, clearly I'm not living in the a matrix, framework. The matrix. Right. Yeah. So this this doesn't apply to me. Sure. But I was just having a conversation the other day about a kind of administration. Okay, a positive administration. Like a government? Yeah, like oh, a hierarchy. Okay, true. And a lower member of the hierarchy was talking about sending a letter to a higher member of the hierarchy. Okay. okay. And in it, she was like, oh, I know something about this person personally. Mm-hmm. So I know I have to play this game, this game, this game, mm. because that's what he responds to. Mm. And instead, like I I was actually thinking this through and I was like, I was getting overwhelmed and I was getting the feeling of like, this is a game. I hate games. I'm so glad I'm not involved in bureaucracy. And then I was like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. perhaps this can be all solved by reality. Why don't you tell him that this letter is coming from a lower member in the hierarchy and this is my life that I I come to you from? Mm -hmm. So not pretending that you are some... Mm -hmm perfect expert about all this, but saying, this is where I'm coming from. And I'm asking you to recognize that this is where I'm coming from rather than playing a game. And I think we do that, you know, like we want to interact with someone and we're like, well, this is this person's vices. So I'm going to kind of play to this person's vices, even though I wish they would be something better or more in certain situations. But instead, like, no, what is what is reality? What am I really looking for in this committee meeting? Yeah. Rather than just, you know, like stating stating the truth stating yeah stating what's really on our heart you know yeah and i think that when we when we um image reality to people Mm -hmm. they get a little bit of a taste of it and perhaps they like real interactions above when they know that everybody at the table is playing the game towards them the hierarchy person yeah games and politics and drama that kind of stuff versus yeah so this is very real Mm -hmm. like we we may think we're living in reality but we may really be in our job, in our you know social interactions, even in our marriage, in our yeah. family reactions, uh, relations. We may be playing lots of games mm-hmm. that could be dis- <laughs> that could really be dispelled by recognizing reality. Yeah. You know, like this situation is never going to get any better if we don't just yeah. rec- together recognize reality. Yeah. You know, another bit of unreality that we I think we encounter every day is just how we all so uncritically uh, accept headlines and perspectives we receive through the media about um, real about events and people and things out there that we haven't actually experienced. You know, so someone says this person said so, such and such, and they really believe this and they mm-hmm. have this. We, do we ever fact check any of that? Do we ever experience any of that firsthand? And the, or, or is it even possible to fact check it? Right. Well, so I'm a historian not. and the way I look at it, at information, even old information, is that can this person who's reporting this mm-hmm. really actually know this information? Because if not, then it, it's just simply not relevant mm-hmm. to determining this ancient event that occurred. Yeah. yeah. And even if it's likely, I think part of the way that we step into unreality is just living our life in uh, concerned about stuff that we 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 are more concerned with stuff we can know less perfectly mm-hmm. and we're less concerned with stuff we can know more perfectly we can know who god is we can know the the, the vocation we have we can know our responsibilities the, the people in our everyday life and we spend much of our time living in the fantasy world created by the media outlet that we we want to watch mm-hmm. so there's a variety of unrealities that we live there are a variety of ways that we choose to live in unreality rather than to live in reality and it's not always just accepting a very obvious explicit lie it may be just going through life asleep in a sense we do that in so many ways we allow ourselves to sleep you know um we we seek the oblivion of of food or drink or media or distraction things to distract us from the the realities of my life and who god is and who i am and what he's called me to so again all that is to say that prudence is this habit of waking up to that and deciding you know i'm going to be um I mean, we're here at Awaken Catholic. We want to be awakened to reality and not just once, but we want to make a habit of it. And so, um, 
So a little bit more digging into prudence here. So prudence, again, I said, has a kind of a cognitive and an imperative aspect. Mm-hmm. It's to turn to reality and then it's to, re- to try to, as you said, respond rightly to reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Prudence looks to the truths of things, which imp- it, it includes the, the big truths of things, you know, the, the philosophical truths, you know, who God is, what this universe is about, what morality is, what's right and wrong, those big truths. But it, it translates those truths into the question of, yeah, but what does that mean for this next step? Mm-hmm. Given what I know as best as I can in humility, <laughs> mm-hmm. what's the next right step? You know, um, prudence is, isn't always, uh, it's not about so much the ideal, but what the available action is to me. What's, what's in front of me? As I get up in the morning, um, not just what is a good thing I could do today, but what is the good thing I should do today? And what is the the piece of it that I should tackle first? It, it gets it takes the the biggest and it brings it down to the most specific. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I want to. There are a few uh, classical perfections of the virtue of prudence, and I think those they help to flesh flesh out what this means uh, practically. You know, one of them, one perfection of prudence, and I know you're a big fan of this one, is memoriam. And whenever we use uh, Latin words or uh, not English words to refer to some of these concepts, and they obviously have an English equivalent, it's not me just trying to sound pretentious. <laughs> Sometimes, like prudentia, you know, like mm-hmm. for prudence, it's to highlight that oftentimes the, the English word that we have for this, the connotation, the baggage that comes along with it is insufficient. Like we have to take a step away from what we're familiar with to get the full picture of what this mm. thing is. So memoriam, we're talking about prudence. We're talking about not just memory, not just like, are you good at remembering stuff? Do you have a photographic memory? But do you make a habit of going through your life, attending to the reality of what's happened to you, what you've actually experienced and seen and heard, and then trying to see the meaning of it, trying to learn from it and carrying those lessons forward? It's as much about what you forget as it is what you remember. Mm-hmm. It's looking at, okay, my day. Like and we talk often about the examination of conscience. When I look at my day, do I try to see what God was doing in my life? If I see my faults, do I try to understand what led up to them, how they might be different? Mm-hmm. And when I try to, when I get the point, when I see some meaning there, some, something to learn, I try to hold on to that and carry it forward. The memory. Any mm-hmm. thoughts about memory? I know you've been talking a lot about memory. Well, in <laughs> Well, I've been talking a lot about memory because I get afraid that I'm losing mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what five kids does to you. Right. No, I I mean, like um, with the with the amount of I talk about this a lot because I'm I am afraid that with the amount of information that comes to Mm -hmm. us and our different ways of storing that information that we're, we're losing something that is really important to our brains, but also to humanity and the continuous continuation of civilization. So civilization being human Mm -hmm. community, um, caring for like knowing how to care for people, Mm -hmm. um, knowing how to survive. It's all based on memory Common sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, and so if we, if we're always using flash drives or iPhones or flash drives, how old am I? iPhone, <laughs> <laughs> iPhones or, or writing or whatever, and we're not actually flexing the muscle of memory, yeah. like what effect is that actually going to have on my brain? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think about memory a lot and I, I actually, I hope I have in the works no, I mean, the ability to have a guest on who's going to talk a little no, more about is, memory. It's something that Joseph Pieper points out is a, the, uh, and this is true of all the virtues, but I think we, we get a, uh, a, a glimpse of it here in prudence that um, when we're talking about moral virtue, we're talking about something that involves our whole being. It's not merely spiritual. It's not merely intellectual. It's not merely bodily in terms of our, our passions and our, you know, our emotions and things like that. It's, it's the whole thing working together. Um, think about this habit of attending to reality. Man, it is so much harder to, to phase up to reality mm-hmm. when you're hungover or when you haven't <laughs> slept yeah. or when you're not taking care of yourself or when you're, you're in unnecessary pain caused by just not taking – like mm-hmm. you, can, you can make it easier to practice the virtue of prudence by – taking care of yourself, you know, by getting good sleep, you know, yeah. and that's not just true in terms of a experiential emotional way, but like, I mean, scientifically they, they are showing connections between sleep and your ability to, to, to remember yeah. things. But there's more than that too. Cause it's not just about um, having a, 
perfect memory, memory remembering everything that happens to you, especially in, a, in the modern media information deluge age. Mm-hmm. It's as much about um, forgetting things you don't need to remember, you don't need to store, but also protecting your memory, mm-hmm. your experience from, from too much stuff. Yeah. You know, Andrew had a thing recently about meditation and anti-meditation and how much of our media is like anti-meditation because it it's consciously um, wearing away at our ability to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Well, if we spend all our life just constantly deluging ourselves with, you know, the mm-hmm. Twitter feed, the Facebook feed, how can we develop the habit of attending to what's really happening in our lives and learning from it and carrying that information forward? Yeah. Um, not, this isn't prudence, but <laughs> this isn't on topic, but information has to be, always has to be tempered with contemplation. Hmm. Um, otherwise you get like, you, you get a nervous tick of, uh, I don't know enough about this and I'm sure there's more information about it. I can't make a decision because I have to find out more information so that I'm making the absolute perfect decision. Whereas a lot of times if you sit with things Mm -hmm. or if you like wait to make a decision for like a week or so, your brain, even while you're sleeping, your brain will start to figure things out and will bring forth information. Like I've had these situations that occur so many times where I will have a, a, a situation in my life that I just feel like is, is at an impasse and I'll go to sleep mm-hmm. and I'll wake up and it's as if like I wake up to the solution yeah. as if my brain had, had just needed some downtime right. to like to do whatever my brain does while I'm sleeping. Yeah. And then I wake up to the answer of, of the problem yeah. and I couldn't have reasoned my way into that. Right. I needed like contemplation. I needed sleep. I needed rest. I needed distance. Yeah. And I think with the, the deluge of information that comes to us, like we're always searching for the, the more information to, to fix this problem when perhaps we just need to like chill, have a Sabbath and yeah. like, let it kind of just be in there. Now that's a great point. I mean, think about the posture of, of contemplation, you know, or of going to sleep of there, there's an active part of our life, you know, where we, we go out and get information or we go out and do something. But especially for the Christian, we recognize that there has to be this balance between the active life and the, what do you want to call it? The, the receptive aspect mm-hmm. of our life to receive mm-hmm. from God, to receive sleep, to receive grace. You know, we, we go into prayer and sometimes we're talking, we're thanking, mm-hmm. we're praising, we're asking, you know, we're expressing. That's important. But perhaps more important is that then there's those times where we stop and then we just say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? And there's a real connection here between prudence and prayer. I, I think for me, as, I, as I've thought through this virtue a good bit, tried to practice it in my life, is that in some sense, prayer is the preeminent practice of the virtue of prudence because you're turning to the reality turning to the, the highest reality mm-hmm. of, of God and his presence and his creation, which also you're in prayer, you're entering this um, spiritual posture of, of openness, of receptivity. You, you're, you shouldn't go into prayer telling God what you want and how things should be and then leaving. <laughs> you may go and express what's on your heart, but in the end, all of your prayer, whether verbally or just in your heart, there needs to be this posture of, Lord, what is thy will? And that, that can only be possible through a right, through reality, Mm -hmm. through a right response to reality, because you wouldn't just be open to something greater than yourself, like a tornado. You're Mm -hmm. not just going to be open to whatever spirit comes through a Ouija board. I mean, you, you may, that's a problem, but like you're open to God and you go there open and ready to receive because you know he right. is a good father who is a giver of good gifts and that you can trust him. You know, we talk about sleep sometimes um, a lot <laughs> and, you know, we have newborns a lot and newborns can't sleep when they're, they're jostled or afraid or, you know, like, mm. the, no, they do sleep when they're jostled. That's the point, you know, like that's how you get newborns to bed. But like, they can only sleep when they're, they feel like they're in a womb, mm. you know? And so you, <laughs> this is a good lesson because when you know you, the, the reality of that baby yeah. is that I am in a safe place and so I can be at rest. Mm-hmm. And so the reality of our prayer, we have to know who God is first. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and sometimes, especially if you're somebody who is struggling, like we all are with some hurt or some healing, Mm -hmm. it's important to get to know saints Mm -hmm. because in their lives and, and yes, I mean, saints who are dead, but then also living saints, people who you look at and you're like, this person is holy. They're joyful. Mm -hmm. They seem to have good, good advice, you know, other people point to them as somebody who is someone you could ask good advice of. I mean, I don't know exactly know how to, to point out a saint. You know it when you see it. But it's through sometimes through those people that you can know who the Father is, who God is. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, again, this this turning to truth, it's not just a matter of information. I mean, there's a difference here between knowledge and sort of wisdom, which in scripture is another word that's sort of used interchangeably with prudence, that um, it's more than just knowing a bunch of sound bites and data. It's, it's again, we're talking about a virtue here. We're talking about a habit, um, a posture, a, tr- a practiced posture towards reality. I think, you know, you mentioned humility earlier, and that's a that's a, an important virtue. I think, I think it's part of the virtue of prudence in the sense of how do you approach the question of truth, of what is true. Do you approach it assuming you already know what it is or do you approach it humbly and especially approaching the Lord in faith saying, Lord, I want to know more. I, I desire phil- philosophy, philosophia, the love of wisdom. I think, again, this love of wisdom, this desire to know is bound up with this habit of soul that we call prudence. You. Yeah, you. You know you've always wanted to go to Paris. Well, now's your chance. If you go with Select International Tours, the sponsor of today's Awaken Catholic Show episode, you can join Claire Swinarski from the Catholic Feminist Podcast, as well as author and speaker Catherine Whitaker and our amazing hosts Morgan Holliger and Megan Burwell from Awaken's show Naked Without Shame on a -a once-in-a-lifetime Seine River Cruise pilgrimage in France. Visit and venerate the Sister Saints of France in Lisieux, Paris, and more. Sacre bleu! Learn more by visiting selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Talked about memory. Let me talk about another another perfection of the virtue of prudence here. So memoriam is one. Docilitas, another another Latin word for a semi-familiar English uh, concept, but docility is the word that we would use. But again, in the context of prudence here, we're meaning that, and this goes along with what we're saying here, to be a person who is able uh, habitually to turn to reality and remain in reality, we have to be the kind of person who is able to and practices going to others for help. So certainly going to God, but even, but, you know, uh, in our experience, uh, well, we, we need the, we need other people's experiences as well. Actually, you, you already led into this perfectly because you're talking about getting to know the saints. Mm-hmm. We need to know God and to re, in reality and try to figure that out ourselves, but we also need to know it through somebody else's eyes. We need to hear their testimony, their experience. We need to learn from good teachers. We need to go to holy people to be able to uh, have a better grasp of reality. And it's not just the information, but it's also the posture of turning to another person to try to learn. That's part of the perfection of this virtue of prudence. Someone who I know on your your early faith journey, hmm. who was a really good example of this, um, was Peter Kreeft. I don't even yeah. know. Did that sentence, that sentence that I just said make absolutely no sense. Yeah, we so you that. were really influenced by Dr. Peter Kreeft yes. early on in your conversion. Yeah. Um, and when I think of somebody who is docile, yeah, I think of Peter Kreeft, yeah. um, Kreeft, sorry. Um, but he, I remember he said this thing once that like the atheist and the fundamentalist Christian have essentially the same posture that's so good. because they believe that they have truth all wrapped up in their back pocket. And that's yeah. the same reason I don't like teaching science to very young children because they quickly become, I've got truth in my back pocket. They can't, they can no longer contemplate the clouds. They can only say, oh, it's a bunch of droplets of water crystallized up in the air, you know, like, oh, it's, I'm, I've got this, you know? Um, and that is the opposite of the docile person. The docile person says like, I have a problem. I've used my intellect. I've, I feel I intuit that I have gone as far as I can go. Now I need to seek good counsel, Yeah, you know, and that can all happen in a snap second. Like, you know. It doesn't mean you have to spend years realizing that you're not, you don't have this. You can just right. seek the good counsel of another person. Yeah. Another Dr. Kreeftism that I like, you know, he, he refers to this moment in the, the play Hamlet, the Shakespeare play Hamlet, mm-hmm. 
where uh, Hamlet says to Horatio, there are, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than you've dreamt of in all your philosophy. And he likes to, he likes to, to point to that uh, and call it, he calls it the Hamlet principle. I don't know where he called it. That it was in a talk once, you know, but that do you come at reality? And again, this is what you're getting at with your mm-hmm. rather controversial opinion about teaching science. Oh, yes. Which is that <laughs> Sorry. what comes along oftentimes with our, with our modern physical scientific education is this is a, is an underlying reductionist philosophy that says mm-hmm. everything you think, you know, is less than it appears to be. The table is merely just atoms. The clouds are merely just water vapor. You are merely just a trousered ape. Reason is merely rationalization. Love is merely lust. Everything is less than it appears to be. Rather than the Hamlet principle, which is to come at reality, always expecting there to be more. Yeah, the cloud is water vapor, but it, there's there's more in heaven and earth than mm-hmm. I have dreamt of in all my philosophy. There's more to that phenomenon. Yeah. There's more to love than just lust. There's something beyond as well. There's something above and as well as below in these phenomenon. And I want to be open to greater truth. I don't want to be clamped down. I already get it. I already understand it. Throw it out. Move on to the next thing. I want to be open to always learning and 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 um, appreciating more these these aspects of life. This makes me think of breast milk. You know, like. <laughs> I guess explain. (laughs) (laughs) Because so there was a time in history when formula was coming into play. And one of the reasons why, like one of the taglines that hospitals started to use, and this is a story that my great aunt tells. Um, Her husband was a doctor and he told her when she was having her first baby, you will breastfeed that baby. This is probably the 50s, maybe 1950s. Um, Sorry. Um. And she said that the nurses were really pushing her and telling her that your breast milk is dirty. It's full of bacteria. It's not sterile, which is true. They knew that at the time. They were learning at the time that like, yeah, you're, it's full of bacteria. You don't want to put bacteria into your babies, you know? So don't, don't, it's just, it's wrong. It's unsterile. And she was like, nope, nope. My husband said he's a doctor. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. So flash forward to now. We're learning all this amazing stuff about breast milk. You know that it changes with every nursing session when the baby is suckling. It changes at night. It you know it's full. It's like basically vaccines for your children. It's, it's adapting like to it's the a, environment. It's, yeah, it's providing what the baby needs. You and know, still, I see people saying it's populating their their microflora. I mean, the the, yeah. the gut microflora is such a big mm-hmm. thing. Well, still, I see people giving these lists as to why you should breastfeed your baby now, when in reality, what we should be saying. What this should be teaching us is that breast milk, the body, is so much greater than I could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it's so much bigger. And what I think I know about breast milk now, what I think I know about like pregnancy and gestation and giving birth, it is so much bigger yeah. Then possibly I will ever know in my lifetime, yeah. or that science could ever tell me. It's another it's another aspect of the theology of the body, which mm-hmm. we often talk about here. And there's a great show here on Awakened Catholic called Naked with Naked Shame. With, Naked without shame. Naked without shame. <laughs> 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 Talking about the theology of the body, but this is another another aspect of the theology of the body that through um, through uh, through the body through through uh, breastfeed through breast milk. You know, it's not just that it works on a biological level that God is, 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 has given this amazing gift in the body and it works, but he's also teaching us about himself. He is a good, abundant, abundant giver. father, you yeah. know, and that the, uh, the more we learn about our yeah. body and the more that we're open to just how incredible the body is, we discover more and more of God's amazing design in the body. So mm-hmm. check out that show, check out Theology of the Body. Um, but yeah, Docilitas is where we, we, we launched off from here that a perfection of the virtue of prudence is this docility. You know, it doesn't just mean accepting whatever somebody tells you, but it means being the kind of person who does turn out to recognize, to complete my understanding, to, to, to seek greater understanding, I do need other people. I do need to be open to God, to, to fellows, to smart people, to holy people. Um, and so I want to incorporate uh, their knowledge as well, their understanding. So another another perfection, the, the other one that we'll talk about today is called Salertia. And that, as far as I know, doesn't have an, Eng- an easy English equivalent. Um, Salertia, Salertia. Um, and it refers to um, this 
this habit of um, as you practice prudence, as you, you're a person who turns to reality, I want to stay in reality. I want to avoid you know going back to sleep, so to speak, going back to unreality. I want to be a person who turns to the reality of things and tries to operate from there uh, in my life of uh, my active life. But that um, it's one thing to be prudent right now. I'm calm. I'm composed. I'm thinking clearly. My children aren't around. <laughs> There's no little children <laughs> running through the room. And I, I can, okay, what, what's, what, what's the next right thing I do? I'm going to make a plan here. I'm going to go through that. I'm going to remain prudent, making good choices, making right responses to reality. That sometimes that can go out the window as soon as something unsur- surprising happens. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And so a, a perfection of the virtue of prudence when it's, when it's, uh, as you make more of a habit of it, you also get better at remaining prudent uh, when bewildering situations happen. Because mm-hmm. again, this is what happens all the time, right? We Something happens and we get very passionate. We get really emotional. And the difficulty there is not that those, those emotions are necessarily wrong or that they're bad or anything like that. But we can't, we can't operate out of, of emotion. We can't discern what is true and what is right from a mm-hmm. place of our sadness or our fear, or our mm-hmm. anger. Those emotions, again, they're they're good, they're made by God, they have their purpose, but they can't be what guides the chariot, so to speak. Yeah, I think that this is really a perfection of living in reality. Yeah. Because um, I, act, I remember mm-hmm. when, I now I'm not perfect at this, okay, yeah. so I'm not going to say I remember when this was perfected in me, <laughs> but I remember when I made a huge leap in this. Mm-hmm. And it is the time when increasing numbers of friends are telling me that they actually thought I was crazy. Okay. So when I was pregnant with baby number four, we Mm -hmm. got a puppy. Uh I was five months pregnant. And this is when our friends thought I was absolutely (laughs) insane. When they questioned our prudence. You've lost it. And I mean, I'm not going to go into the discernment that it it was for this puppy. It was right. It was right. We made a good decision. (laughs) But what that puppy did is I was just coming off after baby number three, having a lot of bad postpartum depression Hmm. and then having gone through blood work and doctor's appointments and getting myself back to feeling great. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I had built up these habits through two babies of postpartum depression Mm -hmm. of not living in reality in the moment, Hmm. freaking out, assigning all kinds of like heavy baggage to all these tiny mundane little things that would occur Hmm. and freaking out. But when the dog, so like, for example, kid pees on the floor, uh, toddler pees on the floor. And immediately you're like, why are they doing this? What did I do wrong? I trained them wrong in some way. And I have other things to do other than clean. Like you're going into this non-reality situation. <laughs> asking asking the toddler, why? Why did you do this? Tell me why you did this. Help me to understand why you pee on the floor again. But the puppy wasn't a why. It was just a puppy. Okay. So the puppy, I'm sorry, I keep seeing my hair and I can never figure out what side it is focus, in my focus, body. Focus, puppy. Sorry. <laughs> um, but when we got the puppy, the puppy peed and pooped all over the floor. Yes. And there was no why. There was only cleaning it up. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And that, like, that puppy period before I had baby number four yes. was what I needed to grow in Solertia yes. because after that it was like, yep, milk just went all over the floor and yeah. this one peed, this one peed in public. You know, this kid is throwing this horrendous ten- tamper tantrum. Guess I'm just going to put him in the football hold and walk out the front door as I'm dragging the other kids. Like situations turned from all of the what ifs into yeah. just mm. what's happening here in the moment. You know, and a- I'm safe. We can figure this out. That's a powerful I'm an adult. They're not. Sorry. We were talking earlier about the different kinds of unreality, different ways that we we fail to be prudent or we avoid being prudent. And I think one of them is precisely this question of whether we remain in the moment. And Solaritia really is that. Is can I, I can be prudent when it's easy, but can I stay rational and awake in the moment and not be carried off by emotion or carried off into the future or in the past? You know, something happens and instantly I'm thinking about, all mm-hmm. the potential possible bad things that could come out of this. Yeah. Or I'm thinking about all the ways I failed or did bad in the past that, that, that instead of just moment being, is now instead of right here, right of. now, what has actually happened? Mm-hmm. Some milk has spilled mm-hmm. and I will wipe up the milk and I can go on with my life. Yeah. That's, that is the truth of these things. 
but it's so easy to flee the moment, to leave into the unreality of, oh, all the past baggage, mm -hmm. all the future possibility, rather than right here, right now, what is the next right step? Yeah. And so Solertia is, again, I think you're right. It's, it's more a habit of the active living of prudence, the imperative, the deciding aspect of it. We get better at, uh, at staying in the moment, mm -hmm. staying rational, uh, staying intentional, staying in the moment, even when it's difficult, even when reality is yeah. reality. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think that this is like 90% of the issue when it comes to anxiety and panic attacks and, and things like that. I mean, Dr. Uh, Greg Bataro has got that great yeah. website, uh, catholicpsych.com, where he's got all kinds of um, retreats and uh, meditations and things like that. Uh, and Catholic mindfulness, which mindfulness means being in the present a moment mind full of reality and full of pretty much 99 percent of your day you are not actually in danger yeah and i think solertia is really that disposition yeah. because sometimes this you are a, in danger and point. you do have to shout at a kid who's running out in the street but the majority of the time you're not yeah and just realizing that keeps you in a state of like mental health i, I actually it, we actually had somebody yeah. Tell me, laugh at me <laughs> the other day when I said, I'm type A. Mm. And he truly was like, <laughs> and it took me a while to get that. He was like, you're joking mm. because you're so chill. Oh, oh, oh. But the reality is, is that I'm chill because I would lose, my brain would break. And I, I really learned that after the postpartum depression issues. And then the, the puppy is that if I don't, reassess my looking at reality my brain will literally break and i don't know if there's a coming back from that so yeah no, it, it, a, it does it it makes you look chill even if you're, you're we're not. gonna have to get uh, dr Pataro on here and talk more about that but yeah i don't it, it, think we're a, cool enough for him well, to be in our we show. Can aspire. we can aspire to it <laughs> yeah but precisely that thing yeah so often um we we fail to be prudent precisely because the good the good drives and passions and things that God has put in us, the, the, the powers of our being that are there for self-preservation and self-flourishing, you know, the desire for food and for drink and for sex and for affirmation and for comfort and for, for solace, for, for safety. Those are all good. I mean, they're there to, to, to protect us, but, um, because we're rational beings, um, and because we're the kinds of beings we are, those can run away with themselves, mm -hmm. especially if they're, they're not in order. Um, and we have to make a conscious choice to say, wait, wait, hold on. I am, as you said, I'm not actually in danger. Mm -hmm. Milk has spilled, but it's, it's not actually the end of the world, even though it can feel an anxious, like, oh, it happened again. No, the reality is it's just milk mm -hmm. and I can clean it up and I can, and I, I don't, and I actually don't have to go forward being upset about this. I really can just let it go. Cause it really doesn't. That's part of what's being practiced. I can even be calm now with poop. Just, yeah. She's reached the poop level of prudence. Poop yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to keep ratcheting it up, you know. I want to give people, what is it we were talking about the other, in the last episode? You want to give people motivation. There you go. You want to reach you too. the poop level. You too. Where <laughs> poop doesn't scare you anymore. <laughs> I don't think I had any really uh, super important things to say about prudence here. I, I think it's funny, the, the last this last year with all the COVID stuff, um, mm -hmm. when... I felt kind of bad when people were trying to be clean and like clean up germs and stuff like that. And in my mind, I'm just like, if this is a, like my kids are just Petri dishes, like they're going to lick everything they come into contact with. There's zero chance that if this is something that can be passed in that way, like we're just all getting it. Like there's no, you can clean all you want. My kids are still going to lick it and yeah. <laughs> sneeze on it and then, and then eat it. <laughs> Serenity now. Right? All right. <laughs> so, you know, just, I mean, to recap a bit and go back to where we started here, prudence is this habit, habit of soul by which we turn to reality, we, we assess it and we act, we make, we de we're decisive, we act from a place of reality and we make a habit of, of being a person who stays in reality. We don't flee to a lie. We don't, we don't let ourselves get carried away with emotion. We don't, we're not people that, that, um, and we'll talk more about this later. We're not people who think that emotion and uh, and passion are unimportant, mm -hmm. but there's this classical uh, Greek image of the charioteer. Uh, the charioteer is pulled by horses, and horses are strong and powerful, and they're 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 sort of images of of emotion and passion, our, our bodily forces. 
um, the horses can't guide the chariot. But if the horses are unruly, the answer is not to kill off the horses. It's to train the horses so that all that power, all the, again, the powers that God has put within us, the desire for food and for drink and for sex and all the other things, those are directed toward the good, toward the right, toward actual human flourishing. Prudence is the charioteer. Mm-hmm. And then we always have to be a person who's, who, from that place, directs the chariot, directs the horses where they're supposed mm-hmm. to go. So we're practicing that. We want to become people of prudence. And as we said, prudence is the mother and mold of all moral virtue. All the other virtues, justice and courage and temperance and all the sub-virtues underneath those cardinal virtues, they receive their their form, their direction from prudence. Because without that first turning to reality, we can't then evaluate, okay, what is the just thing I, I ought to do? And then um, and then proceed on from there. And so um, if we want to begin putting more order into our lives, growing in virtue, if we, ultimately we want to pursue holiness, we want to be saints, the first step is to be people of truth and reality. So. Let's put that in your cap and smoke. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't I mean, just, didn't I mean just to expect that you had a big yeah, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> So we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Again, this is a, this is the first or second in a series. We're going to talk through the virtues. And we're, we're, again, we've used lots of examples from ordinary family life, and we're going to continue doing that. That's kind of where we're talking about this from. We hope you'll continue to join us for this study. In the meantime, though, you know, what did we miss? What did we miss in the virtue of prudence? What didn't make sense? Um, what could we clarify? Uh, go into go to theawakenapp.io and join our community and let us know how can we fill in in this study? How can we we talk more? Uh, how can we be helpful to you in this? How can we have a conversation amongst all of us yeah, about bringing virtue and in, into our, our daily life? That's the best way to get a hold of us. If you want us to clarify something, if you want us to talk more on something, if you want us to stop talking about something, the best way is to to join the app. And then comment in the community. Yeah. So that's theawakenapp.io. That's where you go to download the app, follow this show and other content on Awaken Catholic. And again, as we said, it's the best place to give input and ideas and and we can dig more into the virtues with you there. Uh, also, uh, if you're there and if you're part of the Awaken Nation, there's some bonus content, some some special stuff just for you. And what is the Awaken Nation? It's people like you that uh, have joined in this mission. Uh, go to awakencatholic.org slash donate. Make a financial contribution, a recurring contribution, to help us keep uh, making this show and other content from Awaken Catholic. Uh, we really appreciate it. This mission of trying to share the truth of Christ and his church through beauty through the through the media we'd love to have you part of this mission so awakencatholic.org slash donate hey thanks for joining us for this episode of elevate ordinary we'll talk to you again next week god bless this show and all media on awaken catholic is made possible by the awaken nation and the hollow app the awaken nation is a community of people like you who support all things awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.